You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Well, after spotting the Titans a 10-0 lead, the Texans roll off 27 straight points and beat the Titans 34-17. All they do is win, 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 baby. Eight games in a row, and they're the number three seed in the AFC. Don't look now. We're about to break it all down. Welcome aboard, everybody. Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk Podcast, along with co-host Brian Patterson from FansidedHouseOfHouston.com. Thanks for diving into your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. We're also joined in this one by our LockedOnTexans.com correspondent, Nathan Jones. And guys, uh, this game turned on two plays, really. The Texans stuff, the Titans fourth and one at the three, thanks to, I believe it was Zach Cunningham and Bernardrick McKinney. It was good to have Cunningham back in the fold for this one. Then Lamar Miller immediately pops that 97-yard touchdown bringing back memories, at least for me, old man of the of the podcast of Earl Campbell in 1978 against the Dolphins. Maybe Tony Dorsett, if anybody remembers that, you might have seen it on a, on a YouTube clip or something like that, but he had a 99-yard touchdown run. Anybody disagree? Those two plays to me were that 14-point spring, that was, that was the swing that was the difference. Yeah, it was definitely the turning point of the game. And uh, you're absolutely correct on the guys that were involved. Justin Reed had a piece of that plate, too. So it was like a a three-man stuff at fourth and one. And let me tell you, why do you run your tight end in there? Why why did you have uh, him go through there? I mean, you have Derrick Henry, who's, you know, a capable running back. He is built, you know, for a tough play like that. And uh, it, it turned up costing them because we ended up scoring. The Houston Texans ended up scoring on the next play. So, yeah, there you go. That's, you know, I, I just really, really loved how things changed so quickly. You know, you talk about that 61-yard uh, catch by Jonu Smith. You were thinking, okay, how's this game going to go? But the Texans got it together. And for that, I'm grateful. 12 plays or 12 attempts, 162 yards for Lamar Miller, thanks to the 97-yard uh, run there. What jumped out to you for you on this one, Jason? Uh, uh, Nathan, I'm sorry. What what jumped out for you here? Well, yeah, it was, it was not just the 97-yard touchdown. He was consistently getting four, five, 15, 20 um, yards per attempt. And I don't think he had a single negative rush all night, which is really good. I think they did a really good job of mixing up the types of runs with Deshaun Watson as well, which kind of left the defense off balance with the read options and the Outside zone, the split zones. I think it was really good creative play calling on the coaching staff. Yeah, the offensive line also helped him out, Brian. I mean, you look at it, they, they, they didn't know if they were going to have uh, Fulton for this one. Calamete, Calamete gets banged up late in the game, but those two guys played most of the game. Uh, D- Davenport helped pop Lamar Miller on, on the big 97-yard run. I mean, there was a couple holding penalties in that one drive. Later in the game, I think that was around the fourth quarter. They end up getting a field goal. Deshaun Watson overcomes all of that. But the offensive line continues to make a little bit of progress, you know, game by game. I I thought a couple times Deshaun panicked in the pocket and and he ran out when maybe he didn't need to. Uh, But I think overall we're we're seeing a little bit of progress. They're not special yet, but they're getting to the point where you're not worried about them as much. 
Right, and they made up for the, their weaknesses. Uh, let, let's go back to the play, you know, in the, the first quarter when Deshaun Watson scores. It was a zone reach fake out to Lamar Miller. He goes to the left. Ryan Griffin is doing the blocking. It, it's not any offensive line. It's Ryan Griffin, and he gives him the room to come around and score for the touchdown. Wide open there. So there are guys that are just stepping up, being able to help out this offensive line. And that's what Ryan Griffin is supposed to do. He's supposed to be, you know, blocking as he is. But just wanted to bring that up because uh, it's it's just terrific that you know you have a lot of contributors out there, you know, outside of the offensive line. Yeah, I thought I thought you said something about Ryan Griffin and blo- Griffin and blocking in the same. Yeah, sense. yeah, isn't that a that's a new notion, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and he gets- that's why we've got. And for, don't forget, three catches, uh, 38 yards for Ryan Griffin. So, yeah, it was a good game for him. It's unusual that we can mention that uh, and, and not just maybe a catch here or there. But, yeah, he has a nice game. Another huge part. I mean, we talked about this, Brian. Nathan, jump in if you would. Uh, Demarius Thomas, two touchdowns. The big thing for Demarius Thomas and we know this with DeAndre Hopkins on the other side. He's going to draw the double teams. Demarius has got to win on the one-on-one battles, and he won two one-on-one battles in the end zone. Uh, that was nice to see. Oh, yeah, and the first touchdown on the corner out, I think it was against Adoree Jackson. He does a really good job of pushing Adoree Jackson in and setting him up for the corner out. But to your point about um, Hopkins drawing double coverage, leaving Demarius Thomas in single coverage I really think the strength of the running attack really opened it up for both the players John Hopkins who on the play action that one crazy catch on the sideline that set up the field goal I think they both got single coverage quite often and that was due to Lamar Miller and this offensive line yeah ho-hum Nuke Hopkins 74 yards five catches I mean it wasn't one of those games that jumped out but you know he had that huge catch uh, late in the half that led to a field goal and you know he he just every time you needed maybe a big catch here and there there he was again you know DeAndre just doing DeAndre stuff Brian I mean it, it's it, I feel like you know we, we we don't have anything left to say about him you know but he just continues to give you these great games and I, I was took a little bit of umbrage I don't know about you but they were talking about well Everybody forgets about DeAndre Hopkins and blah, blah, and he's in the top five. or No, he's not in the top five. He's, a t- he's one of the top three wide receivers in the NFL. And, you know, it's, it's a, to me, it's a two-man battle. It's between him and uh, Antonio Brown with the, with the Steelers. I mean, right now, it's those two guys, and, and, and maybe there's a gap after that with all respect to Julio Jones and, and some of the other guys in the conversation. But to me, those two guys are still there. And DeAndre Hopkins keeps doing it. Definitely has to be mentioned among the top five. You know, I'm going to be a little biased and say he is the best wide receiver in the NFL. But, uh, you know, obviously Antonio Brown and Julio Jones have made uh, great campaigns for that. But speaking of wide receivers, uh, let's talk about uh, DeAndre Carter. I mean, the guy, you know, was used in punt returns. He was using kick returns. Have we found our guy, the guy that is going to produce a lot more than Tyler Irvin. I, I just noticed that that was a nice 25-yard punt that return that he had uh, earlier in the game. A lot quicker with his feet. I, I think we found our guy. And uh, what do you guys think about that? It was nice to see somebody that actually had some explosiveness, you know, <laughs> as a punt returner. But, you know, one thing we talked about, Brian, when the Tyler Irvin thing happened, or I know I, I mentioned it, is 
the one thing you could say about Tyler Irvin is he didn't fumble the ball. So that, that concerned me that uh, we had the one fumble for Carter. Luckily, uh, I think it was, what was it? Was it Buddy Howell that was the guy that, on the spot? Or was it A.J. Moore? It was one of those two guys. It was a huge it's recovery. A.J. Moore. Yeah, 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 Moore with a big, big recovery. I mean, that was that, that could have changed stuff in a big way because right then that was, was it that, that after they, they made it 10, nothing when that the score at that, at that time. That's correct. If I remember correctly. Yeah. That, that was a big, big, huge play. Um, Hey, I just want to remind everybody before we go on that uh, if you're enjoying locked on Texans, tell your friends we're on Spotify, the Google podcast app, iTunes, Stitcher, tune in all the different ways to enjoy us, support us by sharing our social media links, the Twitter retweet us, Facebook, share it with your friends. Take a few seconds, rate us on iTunes as well. And again, you can email LockedOnTexans at mail.com for questions or comments. That's LockedOnTexans at mail.com. We want to hear from you, everybody. Also, uh, time to talk about our partners at Action Heat. They make the world's best battery-heated clothing. Action Heat clothing engineered safely and efficiently delivers heat with heating panels similar to a heated car seat. They can reach temps of up to 135 degrees. They're powered by a rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion battery that lasts up to 12 hours on each charge. So you're out there for a long time in the cold. They're there for you. Uh, you can also use Action Heat batteries to recharge your phone while you're wearing them. Uh, so they got a little bit of a double use, and they're perfect for anybody on your holiday gift list. It's that time of year for anyone who works outdoors, maybe, skiers, snowboarders, anyone that loves the outdoors, just hates being cold in general, Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body. Heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns. Uh, I'm out there with my job occasionally, and it's perfect you know, for everything that you do. They're available for men and women, great new styles and models just released for this winter season too. Make winter clothes more enjoyable with the blast of warmth. It's a perfect solution to keep you warm, even in the most frigid weather. They fit everyone's budget, starting at just thirty nine ninety nine. Plus, we got a special deal. Our listeners can save twenty percent off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on. You know the code. It's we do that for pretty much everything. It's locked on. Easy to remember one word. Check out everything they have to offer. Actionheat.com slash locked on or use the code locked on at checkout to save twenty percent. Stay toasty. Warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. All right, guys, we talked a little bit of offense, but uh, defensively, the Texans early on, I was scared. You know, Brian, you mentioned that big play by Jonu, the touchdown, but then all of a sudden, the Texans clamped down J.J. Watt doing J.J. Watt stuff. I mean, causing fumbles, leading to sacks, but what about Christian Covington, kids? Three sacks, three sacks. Yeah, and the funny thing about that is in the beginning of the game, I was kind of getting nervous about how we had a kind of lack of pressure in the middle of our defensive line. And then once we put Clowney over there on the A-gap, a little pressure there, it got better. But then Covington just showed up and just balled out and got three sacks. And it was kind of just laughing at me. Every time I want to, like, dog on this defense, they do the exact same. They show me wrong. And so that just almost, like, made me laugh. But um, the my main thing I was nervous in the beginning was Jonathan Joseph. He kind of got burned by um, Davis on yeah. that comeback and the out route. But and at the end there, actually, he got burned. But I think because of the pressure we got, he wasn't in those um, tough positions. So Covington and the defensive line just helped out the rest of the secondary. 
Yeah, he he got schooled. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, he put him on skates on that play. And Jonathan Joseph looked thirty four on that play. And uh, I just I just have to say that you know in terms of you know what he was able to do, but he'll recover from that. And you know it's just one of those things. Corey Davis is you know a budding uh, young wide receiver, and uh, that's just what's going to happen. But uh, just want to say that. You know, while we're talking about the defense, and and guys, I was on my way driving home and something was up with my DVR, so I did not get to see the pass interference by Justin Reed, the the 31 yards that eventually led uh, to uh, the Titans settling for the uh, the field goal. So you guys may need to enlighten me more about this. But It was a good call. I mean, Reed definitely pushed off on the play, and they replayed it, and it was obvious, and, and he probably didn't need to push off. He had good position. He was looking back at the ball. He was right next to the receiver. So, I mean, Justin Reed, uh, that that was a little bit frustrating as well as he's played. But, you know, it's Justin Reed. I, get, I got upset for two seconds, and I'm like, oh, but it's Justin Reed. He's been, he's been really good this year, and you can't complain too much about him. You just go back to last week's tape, the 101-yard, uh, take, you know, taking it back to the house. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you just go back to that. But, again, he's, we forget he's a rookie, but he conducts himself like he's been in this league, uh, like a veteran. Ty Matthew looked good, too. As well. I mean, I thought Ty Matthew had a good game. I mean, it, it, maybe he was out of position on that first touchdown, but – yeah, uh, that that was. But he came back. You know, he came back and he's and he made big plays. Uh, the rest of the game just it, it tackled. I mean, that's the big thing. Tackling in the open field was huge in this Titans game. John New Smith. You know, that's just one of those plays, and you know that 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 is definitely on tie. But uh, certainly, you know, you know, looking at the big picture things, he's contributed um, a whole bunch for us this season. And um, you know, it's it's still a whole bunch of season left. But you know, I would love for the Texans to try to work a deal to try to bring him back because he has been an excellent fit for for this team and the scheme. Oh, yeah, and I think he let that touchdown. He took it personally. Later in the game, he laid the wood. I forgot who he laid yeah. it on, but I mean, he didn't want that one play to define his game. That's for sure. Boy, you look you look at the, the big picture, and, and if there's anything else on defense, we can get back to it in a little bit. But I, I just want to look at the big picture for a second. You know, I mentioned off the top, guys, that they are the number three seed. And here's the crazy thing. I mean, the Chiefs, you know, they, they've got two losses, but, I mean, that's it. I mean, the Texans – are behind one team in the loss column. And I don't know what what gets the Texans fan base. I'm wondering, you know, people email me or message us, you know, get to us somehow. You know how to reach us. I mean, we want to hear from you. Is is this a team that you're excited about at this point? I mean, how many wins in a row? I keep asking this. How many wins in a row is it going to take before Texans fans get into this team? I mean, the, the eight-game winning streak right now. Eight games in a row. Think about that. And you know what? With these with these eight wins in a row, you could probably make a case that five of them, we the, the Texans were just in the situation of being in luck, whether they, it was field positioning or, you know, the kicker failed to, you know, seal the game uh, with a kick that happened. You know, uh, against the Redskins, it happened against the Broncos. And then you have these three wins, you know, definitely are. Tonight, definitely are. They did everything they needed to do to try to go out. And they, you know, the tide just turned, you know, after that play. They, they got it together and said, hey, you know, we're going to, you know, go out there and uh, make an impression and turn this thing around. No turnovers, no turnovers whatsoever. Very little penalties, you know, three three penalties for 53 yards. Is that four of the last five games they haven't turned the ball over? Or Deshaun hasn't turned the ball over, I know, in, in four of the last five games, right? 
Deshaun turned the ball over. Yeah, he turned the ball over against the uh, the Redskins. Yeah, but that was the only one of the last five, I thought, right? Yeah, the last five. Yeah, no, good case right there. Yeah, that's what, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I misinterpreted you there. But yeah, yeah, it, other than those games, you know, he hasn't turned the ball over. And, you know, this is a situation you get here. Two touchdowns, 210 yards, 19 for 24. So he's not throwing the ball as much. And you're just handing off to Lamar Miller. But let me tell you this. Lamar Miller knows that Deontay Foreman, is, he's, he's coming. He's, he's going to be ready. So he's trying to make his case to say, hey, I'm the man. I'm the number one back. You're, you're, you know, yeah, if my job is going to be on the line, and it shouldn't be, you know, <laughs> he's got to go out there and, you know, and perform well. But, uh, again, this may be a slow go if Foreman even does come back, you know, to form, you know, within the next couple of weeks because they're going to bring him in slowly. But, um, again, I, I don't know. With the way Lamar Miller's performing, you, you may want to hold on to him for a little while. I'm not sure where he's at in his deal. I know he's getting close to the end of it, but uh, I, I'm just really impressed with the way he was able to get open tonight, and just the way he was able to, you know, he, you know, they would go, he would go up the middle, and then he would just quickly go back to the left, and that goes to to, to the blocking that the offensive line was doing for him. And typically he would go middle right, but he was going a lot of middle and then to the left. So that really worked. And that is a credit to uh, Senor Calamante and Julian Davenport. Yeah. And that, that 97 yard run with him. I mean, you talk about how he's looked recently and the 97 yard run. I mean, that definitely shows you that that was the speed that we weren't seeing the first couple of years. We talked about it, Brian, you and I did that. Yeah. He lost all that weight and he felt that weight was you know, killing his speed. And and when the speed has definitely been back because when he sees that opening, when he breaks it open, I mean, the jets are on They're They're serious. He he's, he's, he's going, you know, major chunks, major chunks of yardage with that. So, I mean, that's, that's huge. As far as Deontay Foreman goes, I mean, you just keep assuming that he's going to be back and the same guy. And I keep telling you, I don't know. I don't know if he's ever going to be the same. I mean, I, that's the big question with him. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see if he comes back to me. It's, it's found money. You picked a hundred dollar bill off a gutter somewhere. If you if you get uh, Deontay Foreman back and he gives you anything, and and Miller and Blue are fine, but yeah, you want Deontay Foreman back if nothing else for depth, giving you that one more guy that you can go to if Miller or Blue get hurt too, because you got nothing behind those two guys right now. Which I really do believe that why that that was why Tyler Irvin was cut. They must be confident that you know him coming back soon, you know, they would be able to hold it down with these two guys. And then when he comes back, he may be able to contribute a little because there's still a whole lot of season left. And hopefully we're talking about a postseason. You know, it's looking like it right now. The chances increase with each win in this streak. But uh, I think Deontay Foreman could contribute a lot, especially in the postseason. But I don't want to get ahead of myself because we've been there before. We, we've known what the Texans have been able to do after a strong season and they finally get there or just crazy games that we don't even know how <laughs> they turn out to be what they are. So, you know, we just take it game by game and that's what I think we should do. What did you guys think? Um, Nathan, you chime in on this if you want. What did you guys think of the Deshaun fumble? Did you think that was a, a non fumble? Did you think it was a fumble? I, I kind of thought it was. Yeah, I saw your tweet on that and I was literally about to tweet that I thought it wasn't a fumble. Um, I saw some other angles. I think if I had to put money on it, I would say it wasn't a fumble, but I'm biased towards offense most of the time. Looked like the ball was coming loose a little bit. I mean, I, that's... A, a little bit. But he was 
he was already down. He was already down yeah. by the tackle. He was, you know, that was the, the correct call uh, for to, to start off things. So I, I really uh, think, you know, and I'm not just saying this because, you know, I, I, I like the Texans, but it's just that it, from that one angle where it's behind Deshaun Watson's head, the ball pops out a bit, so it kind of looks like it. Jason Witten's like, oh, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think the, the ball popped out, and you know, it's just that's just something so hard to overturn. And and look what that turned out to be—another touchdown by Demarius Thomas. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was a big uh, big one. Absolutely huge play uh, that that kind of shut it down for I think the Pretty game much. right there. I mean, that was the the game you know sealer, but. Uh, a couple more things I want to get to, and, and, and I want to get to some Bob McNair stuff also uh, in this next segment, but just want to make sure that you follow us, uh, all you listeners, at Locked On NFL Net on Twitter and Instagram. You can get all the local experts and all our Locked On NFL Network on one easy feed. And on Twitter, it's perfect when all the games are going on simultaneously or when news is breaking on Instagram. You get the major stories over there in just a minute. Perfect kind of bite-sized audio make sure you follow locked on nfl net on both twitter and instagram all right before we get back to the game i need to mention a couple of things about the passing of bob mcnair if, if you missed it we looked at his legacy on our last show go listen to that uh, make sure listen to our thoughts kind of big picture on mcnair and you might learn a thing or two as well uh, we also made note that bob's son cal mcnair is taking control of the texans but it's his wife, Janice, who is officially the owner now, but Cal will be running the team, and that came straight from Cal himself in a press release early Monday. Brian, I continue to see a lot of people trashing McNair, either because of the Texans' success as a franchise or because he's a racist. I mean, I'm seeing that on Twitter and whatever. Are you seeing that too? I mean, is, I mean, it's, to me, it's getting a little frustrating in a way. You know? Yeah, and, and I'm seeing some tweets, you know, celebrating his death and everything. That That's just the lowest of low. And, you know, I, I, I scroll Twitter, you know, all the time, you know, just seeing what's going on with the news. But when I saw that, that, that that's kind of uh, disheartening. There's no evidence that Bob McNair is a racist whatsoever. You know, there are some things he probably – he, he said that he would want to take back. And again, who knows what condition his mind was in, you know, because of his illness. I mean, chemotherapy, you know, that's no joke. I've known many people who have gone through it and it, it's rough. It, it's really rough. And you you don't have your right. Mind. That is no excuse. I'm not making an excuse to what he said, because, again, you have to take what he said at face value. But again, um, he there is a lot of good that he did for the city of Houston. He brought back football after a five-year absence. You know, me having to watch, you know, my team out, you know, you know, up in Tennessee, being the Tennessee Warriors, and they finally changed the name. And then, like I said, I watched the little Packers, but then finally uh, Houston got a, a sports team, and then, uh, you know, this team, the franchise was off to the races. And it's been a slow go. I mean, we could criticize and say uh, that they did not invest into a quarterback quickly enough. And I think they're doing the things now that what a mature franchise uh, would be able to do, because those first couple of years should be growing. And Yeah, right there. I, I just want to jump in because I want to speak to, 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 to both of those things that I just talked about and you, you were talking about. First of all, you know, yeah, there's some political stuff. And unfortunately, it, 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 it seems like we're in an age where the political stuff turns into a racial thing. And, and that's that's mm -hmm. unfortunate. And 
you know, I'll hold back my opinion, but I, you know, I can see both sides of that issue for sure. And, and I have a strong feeling one way on that. But, you know, I did a little research and I'll make a couple notes on McNair's record. When Rick Smith was hired, he was just the second Afri- African-American GM in NFL history. I think we forget that. There were three finalists at the time, too. There were two of them were African-American. It was Rick Smith and Reggie McKenzie. Uh, you know him with the Raiders right now. Also, I made note in our previous show that McNair's first two Texans communications directors were African-American. I forgot to mention they accounted for the first 14 years of the franchise. Both of them left for better opportunities, not because they were fired. They won four, count them, four Pete Rosell Awards for being the best communications department in the NFL. Now, on the field, I'll speak to that because, Brian, you were just talking about it. It's worth noting the Texans have won four division championships this decade. So let's forget the first decade because, you know, that was their, that was their first decade. There was seven or eight years or whatever, whatever you want to call it. The, the, and, and, and they have a good chance at a fifth division title this year now. Uh, trash the AFC South if you want, but three other owners have a chance to win those divisions, and they didn't. The Texans roster currently consists of seven first or second team all-pro players. Watt, Hopkins, Clowney, Merciless, Joseph, Demarius, and Matthew. Okay, seven guys that are first or second team all-pros. That's what he's leaving as his legacy as part of all of this. Plus, they've drafted two future Hall of Fame players during this decade in Watt and Hopkins. So his record, it's looking better and better if you look at just the last few years of this team and look what's going on this year and eight in a row and all that stuff. Yeah. And Cal's got the hands of the team. I, I think it, it really is in good hands, but the thing that we need to ask now, you know, as, as Bob has passed things on to his wife and, and to Cal, what kind of a legacy that Cal is going to lead? Cause he's his own man. Now, is he going to follow in the footsteps of his father? Is he going to, uh, you know, make his own mark and, you know, do things a little bit differently than Bob did. Uh, it, it remains to be seen what he will do. I honestly think it's going to be a combination of the two where, you know, he's going to have what his father did as a guy. But I think he's going to you know, do some things that are a little bit differently. I think that he um, is going to be more aggressive in terms of allowing and allowing this team to make the moves to 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 win uh, more. And that was already happening because. As you said, though, in the previous show, Cal has been running this team for the past two years as Bob's been trying to, you know, stay healthy from the cancer. A couple of things uh, moving on to just talking about the big picture with the Texans. I mean, the Texans, of course, with eight in a row, they're eight and three now. Uh, that's, uh, again, a pretty darn good. A uh, good team to yeah. leave uh, Bob McNair left, uh, w- left us with. And, and then uh, they're two games ahead of the Colts at six and five. The Colts keep winning. Andrew Luck keeps looking good. That's going to be a tough game in a couple of weeks. And then you got the Titans at uh, five and six. I I think this sticks a fork a little bit. And the Titans, they're now three games back. Uh, The series is tied, but they're three games back of the Texans. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, how about that? They're they're three and eight, and they look like trash right now after, you know, we were scared to death of them coming. They were the ones that you thought the Texans would be battling for the division. So big picture in the division anyway uh, Texans are looking pretty good. I mean, they've got the Browns next week. Uh, that game is maybe a little bit tougher than we thought <laughs> after watching the Browns the last three weeks without Hugh Jackson. They're looking pretty good. But, I mean, the Texans, 
Uh, Nathan, I mean, th- this is a team that uh, I-, I think can be in most games in the playoffs. The Chiefs scare the hell out of you, of course. The yeah. Patriots are the Patriots. But the Patriots, to me, the Texans play them tough. They played them tough the last couple of times with Deshaun Watson. So, you know, to me, when I look at the big picture, uh, the Chiefs are scary. But other than that, I-, I think the Texans go into the playoffs feeling they can beat anybody. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I think we're going to get the second seed first off. But, um, Texans Chiefs matchup. I mean, Texans have been knocked that they haven't been able to score crazy bunches of points, but against a pretty good Titans defense, I mean, we put up over 30 points. And so I think that Texans are underrated, even with a eight game winning streak. And I think that we can compete against everybody. And Tom Brady, he's Tom Brady, like you said. But I think with this strong defense and a decently, really strong offense, I think we can compete against the whole AFC. That's my hot take. Yeah, injuries, of course, always play a factor in that. Uh, also, you know, if you're going to win those close games, uh, you you got to do things like kick field goals. And it was good to see Kimi Fairbairn uh, with a 43-yarder and a 47-yarder after kind of a struggle against the Redskins. But uh, we talked about a little bit. You know, I, I kind of feel like he's got a little help in missing those field goals by his, his punter and hopefully – uh, his punter slash holder has got those things straightened out a little bit. But I mean, when you're winning those close games in the playoffs, uh, the Texans got to do a couple things. They got to get Fairbairn to hit those field goals because those are going to be crucial in the playoff games. They also have got to do two things that I haven't seen much this year. One, they looked a little bit better at tonight, uh, or as we record this tonight on Monday night, they stopped somebody on a third or fourth and short. That was great to see. What they yes. didn't do, Brian, is they're still kind of struggling on those third and fourth and shorts that they've got. I mean, when they got to, when they try to run the ball, I just feel like it's a failure. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost like on third or fourth and short, the only way they can get the first down is, is pass the ball because there was one of those plays in this game where they just ran it. It went nowhere. They, they, the blocking wasn't great up front. Uh, they just don't know what to do when it's uh, short yardage and, and on a third and fourth down, it seems like. Well, hell, I mean, you know, you got Buddy Howell out there. Try to try to do a trick play or something, you know. They And you know what, by the way, they were using a lot of wildcat, but we sh- but the Texans shut that down uh, really quick. But, uh, you know, you got two good backs, but, you know, you, you have depth on the roster. You might as well use somebody out there to, to get those extra yards, somebody that they may have not necessarily game planned for. So, uh, you know, like I said, no Deontay Foreman just yet, but uh, – that that's something that yeah. you know the Texans would need to look into. Yeah, and you said it right there, Deontay Foreman. That that may be the guy that can help, but the problem seems to be is they they get about a half a yard from the line of scrimmage, and there's a defensive, you know, tackle, or there's a defensive end, or there's a linebacker in the backfield, and that that's the issue. It seems like blocking in those situations or d- design or whatever it is, they struggle with that. It's the, the the short yardage stuff. Let me ask you this, guys, before we close it up. Is there anything anything that you guys noted in this game, anything that we haven't mentioned uh, either for the game, the big picture, defensively, offensively, anything that we missed? 
I noticed that uh, that with, with Justin Reed, you know, he he made up for it. He had a tackle for loss for five yards that was in the the second quarter, you know, toward the beginning there. So even though he had the penalty, you know, he he made up for it. So you know, I I, I look into that and just say that you know he's 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 a great player, but he is going to make mistakes uh, as a rookie. Also, another important note that they made on the telecast that DeAndre Hopkins has taken ninety nine point five percent of the offensive snaps this season. That that is an amazing, that is an amazing stat uh, that I, I'd have to say myself. And the one on one matchup, um, you know, you thought Adoree Jackson it was going to be a pretty good matchup, but you know, Demarius even Demarius was getting the best of him, and then it looks like he got hurt toward the end there. So again, his status may be uncertain, but we don't have to worry about that because. Uh, the Texans aren't going to be playing them anymore uh, this season. Um, you just just a shaky start by the offense, but they they figured it out. And I like the use of the play action pass. I, I can't wait to look at the Pro Football Focus numbers to see what his rating was whenever play action uh, was ran. It looked like it was a lot effective, and he was going with the fakes too. So we're going back. Uh, to 2017, where he's feeling it, he's got the magic, and he's got the fakes, uh, just just working it, trying to get something done with this offense. Also, another note, I, I wanted to talk about Deshaun. Oh, it was like in the third quarter, he was trying to go for, you know, I believe it was, it wasn't third and long, but it was something he felt that he could make something into a first down. He jukes a few guys, and he gets sandwiched. He gets creamed in a tackle. Now, Rob, you probably know what I'm talking about, but I hated to see that because the main thing I don't want to see, I don't want to see my quarterback on a bus again on a road game. I wanted to be healthy and be able to take that play. Yeah, that reminded me of the the play at the end of the game with the broadcasters made a point of where you know they, they passed, and they didn't necessarily need to pass, and, and Deshaun got crunched in that. It was just Those are plays that... You know, between Deshaun and, and Bill O'Brien, they've been better at it, but they reverted back to some old bad patterns. E- even on the play where he, he, he didn't fumble and it, and it worked out great there, but uh, it could have been bad. I mean, he had three guys converging on him. It was to the point where it's it, it's at the point where you're up by um, 10 points, I guess. And, and, and you were at that point where even if you don't make it, you, you just... You, you go, okay, I slide at the 15-yard line. We picked up a ton of yards. We're going to waste some more time off the clock, even if we don't get a touchdown here. So let me do that. Let's just let, – let, let me play it safe. And uh, Nathan, in, anything else that you had or you want to talk about? Yeah, let's add on to your point. Um, with like finding a balance with Deshaun and his running and getting exposed, um, that one bootleg play that he cuts back in and runs for 30-plus yards and almost fumbles it. And then the, later in the drive, he does the same bootleg action, but throws a touchdown to Demarius Thomas. So I think they're trying to find out a good balance. You want to use his athletic ability because that's what makes him really special. But sometimes he'll take big hits. And with a guy that we want to be our franchise quarterback, I mean, you don't want that as much. But So going forward in this season, I think that's going to be the, the key to how far we can go into the playoffs is how healthy can we – let Deshaun be in a season where everybody's starting to get injured. Everybody's dinged up a little bit. How much we expose Deshaun. 
I think the biggest problem with Deshaun is that he always wants to make the big play. I mean, especially with, you know, a national stage tonight, you know, you know, he loves to light up whenever it's prime time and he's always out there making the big play. But what happens is, is it can hurt not only yourself, but your team, you know, in turnovers or, you know, uh, holding on to the ball too long. And then, then you're going to get yourself hurt. So, yeah, again, he's one of the league leaders in time to throw, which is right at about two and a half seconds if his averages is still around there last time I checked. So, yeah, that that's one thing I think we're honestly going to have to live with Deshaun Watson until he figures out how to do a quick release. So, but he has, he does so much for the team, you know, uh, for the offense for that matter. Yeah, outside of that. Brian, what's his record now in, in primetime? Isn't he undefeated 4-0 and because they, they won the three games this year so far in primetime, the Cowboys game, Dolphins game, this one, and then last year Alabama. Yeah, the, the Bengals game Monday night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bam, bam. Oh, great insight there. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he has lost a primetime game. And then, oh, the Bengals game. Oh, gosh, that's like an instant classic for Deshaun Watson. I mean. Well, the one, the one play, that one play. <laughs> oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, as I was just saying, that one play, yeah, the one play that he had, uh, that was that was the classic. It was just that that run. <laughs> yeah, the whole game, not a classic. Uh, go look at it again, Brian, if you forgot. It's not a classic, but that one play was pretty, pretty darn cool. Uh, Zach Cunningham, just last word I want to say about the game itself. Oh, it was. Yeah. It, it, I mentioned it earlier, but it was good to have him out there. And there were plays where even if he didn't make the tackle, his speed stopped. Mariota from getting extra yardage or just having Cunningham out there. It's a big deal. You know, I want to make a, a note of a couple of our listeners, uh, put some nice stuff on iTunes. We, we talk about it all the time, but we'd love for you to get on iTunes, say something uh, about us. Uh, something, something good. Uh, one, one listener says, uh, I started listening after the second game of the season and fell in love instantly. These guys give it to you straight. They flat out, tell you what the problem is and back it up with a bunch of numbers. That's what I love about this podcast. They don't sugarcoat the problem. They say exactly what we're all thinking. This honestly has been one of the funnest seasons to watch because when I watch the Texans, I think about what's going to be said during the next show. You can interact with them on Twitter or email, and they respond, hey, that's exactly what we're talking about. That's what we want to hear from you guys. Uh, Somebody else said, couldn't be happier to be able to listen to news about the Texans. These guys are Great. Another one says, while I consider Stay the Texans as my favorite Texans podcast to listen to, hey, they do a good show over there too. Uh, he or she also says, I highly enjoy this podcast and love hearing the commentary. want to thank everybody that has talked about us on iTunes. We'd love to hear more. We want to get some more reviews from you guys. So again, go on iTunes, uh, say something. We'd really appreciate it. And again, it also helps people find the show, helps us get more listeners, which uh, makes it a lot easier to keep doing the show and bring you bringing you guys this, this all the time daily. If you're not listening to us daily, uh, what's stopping you? I know some people just want to listen to the post game show, but uh, we've always got it's always good stuff from our locked on Texans uh, or locked on uh, network uh, podcast host. Uh, uh, we've got the uh, locked on Browns host coming on with us tomorrow. You're going to want to hear that. We got to preview the Browns game. It's already you know just a few days away with the Monday Nighter. So. Um, always, uh, you know, keep uh, finding us because we're always going to try to bring you stuff on a daily basis. Uh, LockedOnTexans.com. Nathan's got you covered over there. Joe, Andy, Brandon, Calvin, all doing tremendous work. Look for Brian's stuff on HouseOfHouston.com. Look for my stuff over on my Houston Sports Talk podcast. That's all we got for this one. The Texans 
taking care of business. Eight in a row, guys. It's eight in a row. 34 to 17. The final. The Texans continue to just win, win, and win again. As always, thanks for making us a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank <laughs> you.